Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. Well, good morning, Generations Church Online. Uh, Those that watched in our first service realized pretty quickly that we were live, like live, live, because my mic was muted for like the first 60 seconds. So we were getting comments like, man, you look great. Can't hear you, though. Uh, I just appreciated the comments that I looked great. But uh, hey, we are glad that you're here today. Uh, We really are live, live. Uh, Over the last few weeks, uh, you know, we have pre-recorded our services because All of our present circumstances shifted so quickly that uh, for us, we didn't have the technology to do live streaming in the way that we wanted to, to present to you uh, full service in in, in the best way that we could with the excellence that we strive for all the time. And so we pre-recorded our services just to be able to offer those in a fake live format on Sunday mornings. Uh, But uh, you just watched the video just a few minutes ago about our new space and this capacity campaign, which we're so excited about, uh, where we're creating more space to serve more people. Uh, We're just a few weeks away from that construction being completed. And then whenever it is that we gather back together in person, we believe we'll be meeting in that space. The plan all along for over a year has been that when we moved into that space, we would begin offering live streaming uh, alongside our on-campus ministry. Uh, but again, once this, all this present stuff started, we weren't really prepared to do that. So we've been adding technology that we're going to utilize in the new space so that even in our present space now, we were able to stream with a little higher quality each week. And those that have been tracking along, our Generations Church family, hopefully you've seen us improve the quality each week. Uh, but we wanted to do uh, live in actual live format for two primary reasons. One, to really begin the process of experiencing live ministry and worship and gatherings together even when we weren't in physical proximity to one another. I know that the the term that most people say is social distancing. I am against that phrase because I think we need to be socially connected and socially near one another. But the physical distance um, is something that I understand. But we wanted to go ahead and start getting some reps and creating live experiences so that our media team and those that volunteer with us could begin to utilize this technology for us on the Sunday mornings when we do continue to or begin meeting again in person. But the second thing and probably the least important thing was for me personally, there is something in my heart that loves being able to experience Sunday mornings with you. I love, I feel called to, I am passionate about preaching God's word to you when we gather together. And I recognize that how that happens and the methodology by which we deliver the gospel will continue to shift in my lifetime, even beyond my own comfort or my own preferences. But there is something special to me about preaching God's word on Sunday morning and know that you are receiving that message in in the the short distance of time between when I deliver it and when you hear it. And so what we wanted to do was create that opportunity for us to experience this together on Sunday morning. So it's 11.24 a.m. right now on Sunday morning. It's raining here at the church. I'm sure it's raining at your house if you're in our greater Canton area, if I can say greater about Canton. Earlier, the thunder was so loud, I felt like it ripped the roof off. I thought the rapture was taking place. Jesus had stepped out on the clouds and was about to take us home. I mean, like it's raining here, uh, but I am excited that we're able to do this and technology brings us together on these Sunday mornings because I know that there's a lot happening right now in our world. And, and I recognize that there's a lot of uncertainty, and a lot of unknowns and that kind of thing. And in the midst of all of this, I have listened as people have begun saying things to try to bring comfort, I think, and to try to bring clarity, I think, to these present circumstances 
But so often, some of those things are attributed to the words of Jesus Christ or to the words of of Scripture, to the Bible. And when I hear them say them or I I see them posted on social media or some other platform, I go, ooh, wait a minute. Um, I don't think Jesus actually said that or I don't think that's actually in the Bible or that's a little variation of the truth in such a way that I think it distorts the truth. And so uh, we asked you just a few minutes ago, Pastor Casey and Haley did, to, to throw some thoughts in there of things that you've heard or, or ideas that you had. And so, you know, some of them that people have mentioned before is God will never give you more than you can handle. Okay, so what does that mean? We may look at that in this series. God helps those who help themselves. Is that in the Bible? We may talk about that one. The idea, it doesn't matter what I believe as long as I believe in something or I believe it passionately. Maybe that's true, maybe not. But what we wanna talk about today is this idea, and this may blow your mind, that others have shared during our present circumstances and really throughout my life, that Jesus just wants to make me happy. Jesus just wants to make me happy. Now, when I think about that statement and when I hear that statement, there's a number of things that come to mind. First of all, there are places in Scripture that talk about happiness. There are places in Scripture that talk about God desiring happiness in our lives, but how we get to that happiness is a big deal for us. I recognize that all of us love to be happy. I do. I love to be happy. And I love the idea that for all of us, we can experience moments and seasons of happiness, Our country was really founded, and the story, the narrative of the United States of America anyway, is built on a piece of fabric that we can have a pursuit of happiness. But when I think about what we're called to as it relates to our relationship with Jesus Christ, I recognize that there's a little bit of a distortion of that reality if happiness is what we seek. I love to be happy. And there are several things that make me really, really happy, if I'm being honest. I wanna show you a few pictures of a few of those that make me happy. One of those is Krispy Kreme donuts. I love Krispy Kreme, especially when the hot and now light is on. I mean, here's what happens. I'm still fighting against my flesh and the Spirit's really trying to take hold of my life, but I still have moments of weakness. When I see that hot and now light on, if I'm anywhere near it, I think within about a two-mile radius is what I've determined, and I know that it's happening, my car just begins to steer itself towards the Krispy Kreme store because I love Krispy Kreme donuts, especially when they're hot. I try to fake the hot, like even when I get home and they're cold in now and they're not hot now, I try to put them in the microwave for a few seconds. But man, there's something like heavenly about Krispy Kreme donuts. I, I love them. They make me happy. Here's another thing that makes me happy. And I don't know why there's a theme here in these first few with food, but I love Mexican food. I love chips and salsa. And uh, Corey and I were talking just the other day about, you know, what's one of the first things you're gonna do when all the quarantine's over and you can go anywhere and all those kind of things. Whenever that happens, I wanna go sit in all of the Mexican restaurants in our community and just, just be in that place and just relish those moments. But man, I love Mexican food. It makes me happy. And one of the sad things about today is that so often when I'm preaching on Sunday morning in our facility here, uh, you know, there are people after church, after our last service of the day, whenever that is, that we'll gather together and we'll go to a Mexican restaurant. Usually it's Mexican. I can't think of the last time we went to somewhere that wasn't Mexican, but I I love it. And so if I'm going to get to choose on Sunday, we're going to go to a Mexican restaurant. It makes me happy. I love it. Here's another thing that makes me happy. And maybe this doesn't make you happy, but Tennessee football makes me happy. I love Tennessee football. Now it's been a rough decade or decade and a half for some of us that are Tennessee fans. I mean, we've been holding on and holding out hope, but I think, I think our coach has got us turning in the right direction. And so it makes me happy. Here's what, here's the honest truth though. I think I would take just 
just about any live sports right now. It doesn't have to be Tennessee. Uh, I, I bet I'd watch Georgia or even Alabama right now if I had to because I would love to watch some live sports where, where the results were in doubt. Like I didn't know who already won that game. I've heard over the last few weeks that there's about 20 college age young men who have quarantined themselves together in Texas and they've got the, the television producers there with them. It's my understanding that they've made sure all of them are safe and not sick and they're going to live stream some type of cornhole tournament over the next few days and I'm gonna watch that because I'm excited about live sports taking place but Tennessee football makes me happy. Here's another thing that makes me happy. Vacation makes me happy. I love vacation. This is my wife, Corey, a little over a year ago. We were together, and I love being on vacation with her. I love being on vacation with my children or even with friends. I just love being on vacation. Pastor Mark Batterson, who pastors up in Washington, D.C. area, he says that change of pace plus change of place equals a change of perspective. And I love being in a new place, and I love having a new pace for a few days or for a weekend or for a week so that my perspective changes. When I get back home, it seems that I have clearer thoughts and clearer ideas about the way that I should live and the things that I should do. And I love vacation. It makes me happy. Here's another thing that makes us happy, right? Payday makes us happy. That day of the week or the day of the month that your money gets deposited into your account or you get that check in your, in your inbox or on your desk or whatever. And I recognize that right now, that 22 million people have filed for unemployment just over the last few weeks, and so payday isn't coming for some folks. And so they're having to look for pay or for some other funds related to unemployment benefits or other things. But payday is something that on the regular makes us happy because it means we've got money. It means we've got the funds to pay our bills or to buy the things that we want or the things that we need. These are the kinds of things that make us happy in life, and depending on your mood today, depending on your circumstances today, maybe when you saw some of these pictures or you hear me talking about some of these things, man, it makes you happy too. You get a smile on your face or, or you begin to laugh at some of the things that make us happy. But when I think about the words of Jesus and I think about who Jesus is, Jesus did not say while he was on the earth that I can't wait for you to get paid or to go on vacation or to eat at your favorite Mexican restaurant so that you'll be happy. So what did he say? What was one of the things that he said related to our happiness? He said this in John chapter 16, verse 33. He said, in this godless world, you will experience difficulties, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now the tension here when we hear this is that we might think that Jesus is mean. If Jesus is not about us being happy and he's talking about difficulties and he's talking about troubles here, maybe we would think that he's mean. Maybe we would think that he's heartless. But I think what we have to do is we have to recognize that we have a misunderstanding about happiness and for sure we have a misunderstanding about Jesus as it relates to this idea. Here are some misunderstandings about being happy. Here, here's one of them for sure. Whatever makes me happy must be right and whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong. Whatever makes me happy must be right and whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong. In the book of Sheryl Crow, chapter four, verse three, it says, if it makes you happy, it can't be that bad, right? If it makes me happy, then it's gotta be right, and if it makes me unhappy, then surely it's wrong. Here, here's the problem with that thought. The problem with that thought is that then what that causes us to do is to push back from anything that brings discomfort and delay and suffering and inconvenience and obstacles and pain, because surely those things cannot be the will of God because they don't make me happy. 
And they make me unhappy, so they must be wrong, which means they cannot be in the midst of the will of God for my life. And so we try to avoid all of those things, the discomfort, the pain, the the, the obstructions and the obstacles that we may face. We go, no, no, that's not God's will for my life. And so I want to try to avoid those things. The problem that we have, though, is that as we read God's word, as we read through scripture, as we see the examples of men and women who are following hard after Jesus Christ and we, we would recognize and, and rightly say that they are pursuing God with all of their heart and that God is at work in their life, they have experienced delay and discomfort and obstacles and pain. And so how is God using those things in their lives? And if, if God is using those things in their life, but they may not be happy about it, then how are we to interact with these types of things in our Life. If we're not careful, what happens is as we try to avoid all of those kinds of uncomfortable things, those things that bring us unhappiness, and we try to strive for only those things that make us happy, we fall into worshiping the false God of money and comfort and pleasure and things. We build up our worship of these idols, these graven images that are not God. They are not Jehovah God. And right beside where we're trying to worship God in the way that we've done over the last few minutes and singing worship songs to God, we are also giving of our time and our talent and our treasure and our hearts over to these things that we strive for to create happiness in our lives through our possessions and our experiences. And all of this tension, all of these problems come together in this one idea that if we believe God exists to make us happy, then we believe that God exists to serve us. And that is not the truth we find in Scripture. Because then what we would come to is the idea that if I am not happy, then God has failed me. And that's not true. We cannot find an example of that anywhere in Scripture. Maybe you would say, listen, I've, I've attended church for the last three months or the last six months. or the, I've attended church all of my life. I'm in a G group and I'm on a team and I give digitally every single week and all of those things are good But if I'm doing all of those things, then surely God owes me. He should give me the desires of my heart because I'm doing all of these things. God would not fail me. Surely God would make me happy. He would give me the job that I want and the boyfriend or the girlfriend or the spouse that I desire. He would give me the house that I desire and the new car that I want. He would give me those new tennis shoes that I'm looking at. Whatever the possession is that I'm asking for, he would give me the desires of my heart because I'm doing all the things and God exists to make me happy happy. But that's not what scripture calls us to. That's not what scripture models for us. We are not to be in pursuit of happiness alone. So if we're not supposed to be in pursuit of that, what are we supposed to be in pursuit of? What should we build our lives upon? Look at this in Psalm 97 verse 12. This is from the Living Bible. May all who are godly be happy in the Lord and praise his holy May all who are godly be happy. That would seem to fly in the face of what we've been talking about, except that it says we are happy in the Lord and we praise his holy name. It ultimately brings us to this big idea. If you don't remember anything else that I say today, I want you to remember this thought. God doesn't want you to pursue happy. God wants you to pursue him. God doesn't want you to pursue happy. God wants you to pursue him. But this creates even more tension in us because pursuing him can't always coexist with some of the things that we think make us happy. Let me give you some examples. I'm not happy at my job, so I quit. 
This church doesn't make me happy anymore, so I'm gonna try somewhere else. My wife or my husband isn't satisfying me, so I start looking elsewhere. I know we aren't married, but we'll act like it in every way, and it makes me so happy. I know I shouldn't. It's crude, it's vulgar. I shouldn't watch it, I shouldn't listen to it, I shouldn't say it, but it is really, really funny. It makes me happy. Here's what we all need to know. We know this truth, but we need to be reminded that happy doesn't make wrong right. Just because it makes us happy, it doesn't make something that's wrong right. Happy does not make wrong right. Look at this in 1 Peter 1, verse 15. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. Holiness is more important than happiness. Say that right where you are right now. Holiness is more important than happiness. Say it one more time. Holiness is more important than happiness. There's a ton of movies and music and activities that would make me happy, but they would actually make me less holy. Now, not through my own ability. Holiness is something that I cannot attain on my own. Holiness is something that has been created for me, given to me by the completed work of Jesus Christ on the cross so that one day I would stand before God And I wouldn't say, look how holy I have been, look how holy I have become, but I could say to him, God, look at me in light of the completed work of your son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. I have taken on his holiness and his righteousness so that I can stand before you a holy and righteous God. But I do have a responsibility as it relates to my effort and the things that I do in response to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He literally gave his life for me. We celebrated that last Friday on this Good Friday remembrance of the cross and the sacrifice and the death of Jesus. And we celebrated the empty tomb on Easter Sunday. And so how do I live in response to that? I ask God to more and more shape and mold my heart into the nature and character of Jesus Christ so that I reflect who he is in me. I don't try to live in such a way that I'm always pursuing happiness over holiness and I do whatever makes me happy and I'm just chasing all of these things that temporarily seem to satisfy me. I say, God, I desire to be holy. I desire to respond to the holiness that is available to me through Jesus Christ. And so God, would you help me to pursue holiness over happiness? Because Jesus didn't die for my happiness. He died for my holiness. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10 says this, for God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. God's will for you is not that you would be happy. His will for you is that you would be holy. Think about Jesus himself on the cross. I I don't know that I would classify his, his gruesome beating and the death that he died to be a happy moment in his flesh. Yes, in the supernatural of God, in the grander story of God, there was happiness there because of what was available to you and I, but in his physical suffering and physical pain, as he was 100% man, even as he was 100% God, I have to believe that in the 100% man part of him, it was not a happy, joyous occasion. And yet it was a holy moment because of the story that it allowed to unfold for me and for you. God's will is for us to be made holy. And yet there is tension in that. Because culture would tell us that better possessions and peaceful circumstances and thrilling experiences and the right relationships and the perfect appearance equals happiness. 
If you've got all of these things, you've got all the right possessions and, and your life is at peace and all of your circumstances are right and there's thrilling experiences, you've got all the right relationships, you're connected to the right people and man, you look a certain way, that should equal happiness. But you and I know this truth that there are a number of people who possess all of those things and they're still miserable. Not every celebrity, not every famous person because fame is fleeting, but so many people in our culture who are famous and they're people that we look to and they're influencers in so many different ways. They have the appearances and the relationships and the possessions and the money to get anything else that they would want and they seem to be miserable. And time after time after time, we've seen that their fake appearance of happiness was something that was just covering up the pain that they were experiencing behind the scenes. Their happiness was not real. It was covering up something else. It's this tension that exists. And so if we fall into the trap of pursuing those things, appearance and relationship and possessions and, and peaceful circumstances all of the time, we miss the opportunity to become more and more holy so often. And so the question for me today and the question for you today comes down to this reality. What have you been doing? What have I been doing to find happiness it's actually getting in the way of my holiness. What have I been pursuing? What have I been doing to try to find happiness, but it's actually getting in the way of my holiness? Look at this in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. It says, do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for, for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. There's something better than the things of the world that we think will make us happy. Ultimately, for all of us, happiness shouldn't be our ultimate objective. The joy of the Lord can be our objective, and we find that in relationship with God. Happiness is related to what is happening to me. Happiness is circumstantial. Happiness is temporary. I can be happy in one moment and sad in the next because it is related to what is happening to me. But joy is eternal. If we look around us right now with all of the present circumstances and the things that are taking place, we can actually see some people that seem to continue to possess incredible joy in the midst of all that's going on. It's not a circumstantial happiness, though their joy can produce happiness, but it's a joy because of their hope that's found in Jesus Christ, not their hope that's based on the stock market or a job or a relationship or the temporary things of this earth. But if we put our hope in Jesus Christ, if our cravings are not of the things and the possessions and all of the things in the world that we think will create happiness, but if our cravings are for the things of God, it says we will live forever. I want you to look at this quote that I ran across this week from one of my favorite authors. His name is Max Licato. He's written a number of books. A lot of his books deal with, with soul health they deal with things that, how are you going to emotionally deal with what's going on? He, he deals with spiritual growth and discipleship. But he addresses this idea of happiness and a joy that comes from God. This is what he says. He says, you weren't made for earth. Moments of happiness cannot compare to what's ahead. Lower your expectations of earth and up your expectation of heaven. 
No new car, new wife or husband, no new baby, new boat will give you the joy that your heart craves. No possession, no experience in earth will create the kind of happiness that we are striving to acquire because happiness is temporary. Happiness in this instance is related to the temporary nature of the world. And yet the joy that comes to us from God and relationship with God and right standing with God allows us to be able to have joy no matter what's going on around us because it's not temporary. It's not conditional. It is unconditional because it comes from a heavenly father who is writing a grander story. So let's land this plane a little bit. Let's, let's figure out what we're trying to say. I don't believe it's entirely fair to say that God doesn't want you to be happy. I think scripture calls God a loving heavenly father who desires good things for his children. I think happiness is an incredible byproduct of the blessings of God. I think there are a number of scriptures, some we've even read today, that talk about God seeing happiness in our lives and delighting in that. But I think if we're not careful, we shape our lives in such a way that we are creating a God that exists for our pleasure, a God that exists so that we can be happy. And instead, what I would challenge you today is the challenge that I, I'm trying to live out myself. Not that I would view God as someone who is intended to make me happy, but that I would live in such a way that it makes God happy. I would live in such a way that it brings pleasure to God because I love God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength to the very best of my ability. I love my neighbor as myself. That every day I am more and more trying to reflect the character and nature of God as I ask him to purge me of those things that I have been pursuing because it made me happy and so it seemed right. I've been avoiding those things that maybe didn't make me happy and so I assumed that they were wrong and yet those were the things that God was desiring to use to shape me and to mold me, to conform me into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. I'm not asking God to exist to make me happy. I am trying to exist in such a way that it would please and honor God. I can look around me to the people in my life right now, the people that are experiencing the pain and suffering in the, in the earth right now. And I can say, God, how can I bring temporary, circumstantial happiness to them? But how can I point them to an everlasting joy that comes from right relationship with you? God, I desire to please you and honor you. And here's the amazing truth about God. This amazing truth about God is found in Psalm chapter 37, verse four. And it says this, it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. It occurs to me that the more that I delight myself in the Lord, the more the desires of my heart reflect the desires of God's heart. I mean, it would be great if we could just take the second half of that and say, God gives us the desires of our heart. God gives us those things that make us happy. God gives us the possessions we desire and the relationships that we desire, but that's not what it says. It's the contingent part of the first. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. God, let me delight in you. Let me delight in the things that you delight in. And God, when I do, would you give me the desires of my heart? And would my desires more and more reflect your desires for me and for my friends and for my family and for my church and for my community and for the earth? God, let my desires match your desires. God, I desire those things because I delight in you. 
God, I want to bring you happiness and you joy and you pleasure as I continue to more and more reflect your son, Jesus Christ. You are more concerned with my holiness than my happiness. And so God, if you have to use painful circumstances and delay, if you have to use obstacles to shape and mold me, to teach me, God, I desire for you to do those things. Because as I delight myself in you more and more, I am concerned with my holiness more than my happiness. I'm gonna ask you to bow your head, close your eyes right where you're at, whether you're in your home, your living room, if you're watching by yourself or you're watching with friends or family, I'm gonna ask you right now in this moment just to allow God to begin speaking into your heart. In just a second, we're gonna give you the opportunity to pray and to respond. And maybe you would say to me today, Jeremy, I know for me, that my first and best step is to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Right there in the comments, if you're watching on our website, there should be a link where you can click to raise your hand to respond right now. On our Facebook and YouTube channels, maybe you just type into the chat, I'm accepting Jesus today. We'd love to follow up and pray with you. That would be something that would please our heart. But maybe today that's not you. If, if it is you and you would say, hey, today's my day of salvation, we're gonna pray for you in just a second. We believe God will change your eternity forever right now. But maybe you would say, Jeremy, for me, it's not about salvation. I just, I wanna begin desiring holiness over happiness. I want God to continue to mold me and shape me. I'm willing to encounter delay. I'm willing to encounter obstacles if necessary. It may be some things that make me temporarily unhappy, but I realize they're serving a greater purpose and I just wanna trust God more than I ever have before. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right there? Maybe you comment in just a second. Let us know how we can pray for you this week. God, we thank you today for every person that's watching. We thank you for the opportunity to experience this, this moment together, even as we're physically distant, we're socially connected. And God, I pray right now for every person that's lifted their hand, whether they did that literally right where they're sitting or they clicked a button or they commented into a chat. God, I pray right now that you would save them, forgive them, be the Lord of their life. We believe that you can do that. And we celebrate with heaven now for those who are making that decision. God, I pray for those now who are saying, hey, I, I wanna seek holiness over happiness. I might need to say no to some relationships. I might need to quit watching certain things, listening to certain things. I might need to quit pursuing certain things because it's been about my happiness, but I recognize it's taken me further and further away from holiness. God, let us pursue you with all of our heart. God, we thank you that you give us the grace to trust you more and more every day. And we're asking you to do that on this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day, and God bless.